0: Welcome to Opportunity Detroit. Hi, I'm Paul W. Smith with some very special guests talking about Detroit, talking about Greektown a lot today. Julie Egan will be here, founder of Soliniere, Melanie Markowitz, executive director, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, and Tasso Teftsis, the owner of the Astoria Pastry Shop, Red Smoke Barbecue, Pig's Tail uh, Lounge. And uh, upstairs, there's a lot going on in Great Town, and we're going to take you there today on Opportunity Detroit. Building on two decades of global experience, including as a diplomat at the State Department and as a senior Obama official, Julie Egan launched Solonniere to perform a different kind of diplomacy, one aimed at bringing people of eclectic backgrounds together over food and art to tackle tough conversations with diverse partners, to inspire change, and build collaborations. My goodness, Julie, you have tackled a big deal, a big, a big issue.
1: Well, that's very kind. It's wonderful to be with you today.
0: It's wonderful to have you here. While at the State Department, Julie executed diplomatic ventures as varied as entrepreneurship, diplomacy, hip-hop diplomacy, food diplomacy... Uh, She helped launch uh, President Obama's Global Entrepreneurship Summit, which has brought together over 30,000 entrepreneurs, investors, innovators in eight countries, and authored the first U.S. regional foreign policy in North Africa to include government, CEOs, and young entrepreneurs. I don't know how you follow up with that on all those things with what you're going to do now, but I know you're doing it.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I mean, I think what's... It's, I've been really fortunate to have a, a really exciting career, um, and I'm also really fortunate to be able to come home to Detroit um, to continue my work. And, um, you know, just, you know, as a note on my background, uh, one of the reasons I find myself back in Detroit is because I'm I'm actually a proud fourth-generation Detroiter. Wow. So, yes. And so um, that's really also, I mean, I've had all these wonderful global opportunities, and We'll talk a little bit about that because one of the things we're trying to do with Salonier is now connect Detroit and Detroiters to global opportunities in different in different ways. But, you know, where it all began is, you know, my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my father and myself were all born on Detroit's east side. Um, you know, my great-grandfather on my father's side owned, you know, well, they both owned businesses on the east side, a snuff company and a bar, among other things. Hmm. Um, you know, graduated from local high schools. Uh, we're, you know, and then, um, you know, my father's still here, a successful entrepreneur. And on my mother's side, just across the border, as another type of international relationship, my my mother's family is from is from Canada. And you know, we come from a family of farmers. We have a family homestead in Canada that goes back to the early 1800s. So I like to tell people that my work really, um, in the very beginning, has been very influenced by my family background and our connection to food, entrepreneurship, and and also Detroit.
0: Well, I love the background. I love the history in Detroit and the family story. But let's start at the beginning of this conversation with what exactly Solignyere means Right. So people
1: ask, of course, ask me this a lot because it's not an English word. Um, And it has a very, um, very rich history. But the word salonier is a a French word that means the woman who holds salons. And I chose this name um, for a few reasons. One, because the history of salons um, is very much a, a woman led movement. And I think we'll talk more about that but also for its ties to Detroit's French history. Um, and and per, on a personal note, which was important for me, it, it's a tribute to my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, whose mother tongue was French.
0: Well, since you say we're going to talk about it, we are talking about it right now with its ties uh, to Women's History Month, for goodness sakes. Share a little of that history of the name.
1: Right. So, um so to start kind of in the beginning, people often ask, what is a salon? It's not not a a term that everyone runs into in their daily life. So a salon is essentially a conversational gathering in an intimate setting over food and drink. And the history of salons, um, they really were led uh, by trailblazing women around the world from many different places, from Cairo to Buenos Aires to Berlin to Harlem, going back to the 5th century. And these salons were significant because they very much influenced the cultural and political trends of their times, kind of like you're doing in Detroit today, but this was, you know, a different time. Um, But they were called salons because they were held in living rooms, which in French, the word for living room is salon. And so this is, where the, this is where the concept, the name came from. But these gatherings were held in the homes of women who were often married to influential men and didn't have their own individual standing in society, but they used their proximity to power to create these salons um, in their homes where they would invite the leading voices and artists and intellectual leaders of the time. And these became kind of underground meeting places that very much influenced many sort of cultural and intellectual movements, and also, frankly, became um, informal universities for women. So you know, you know, just I I like to give a little bit of background because it's, it's so interesting to me. I mean, many people associate the salon with the Enlightenment period in France or Picasso and Gertrude Stein, but You know, like many Eurocentric views of the world, this isn't accurate. The earliest salons go back to sort of the fifth century on the African continent, in Cairo in particular, but then later in Syria. And in one interesting example, a very famous salonier um, in Syria by the name of Mariana Marash Um, who was a poet and a writer um, and a leader in the Arabic Renaissance called the Nahda Movement. Um, And she essentially revived the Salon tradition in the Middle East during the 19th century and was the first known Syrian woman to publish a collection of poetry and write in an Arab daily newspaper. And then over in Buenos Aires, the Argentine National Anthem was sung for the first time in the home of a Salonier and in the United States. Um, Saloner has played a very important role in the Harlem Renaissance, in particular, um, led by the daughter of Madame C. J. Walker. So it's a very rich um, history of how women sort of, as as has been the case throughout history, in many cases, you know, that women were playing these influential roles behind the scenes.
0: It's certainly fascinating. We're speaking with Julie Egan, the founder of Salloniere, and and she worked. Uh, for the Obama administration, I want to hear a little bit more about uh, what you did for the State Department and the Obama White House before you started this wonderful now Detroit-based company.
1: So I had the privilege, really, of being a U.S. diplomat for 10 years um, prior to starting Solanier. You know, just for the audience, many times people ask me, what is a diplomat um people don't ever you know it's not it's not an, a concept that is also widely understood but it's essentially the US government has sort of emissaries, um that uh work out of our embassies in other countries and th- our jobs are to uh be a liaison between the US government and other governments and other people um and you know there are also people at the State Department that uh, play that role from Washington, D.C. So I I worked primarily, I was an expert on Northern Africa, so Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, Mauritania, and then more broadly in the Middle East. Um, And, um, you know, I I was fortunate during my time at the State Department to do something very exciting, which was to design and launch a, a regional foreign policy that sort of created a new type of relationship and a new type of um, set of partnerships between the US and North Africa. And this was just before the Arab uprisings in, you know, 2010. Um, and a lot of my work focused on entrepreneurship and and how entrepreneurship, which was something we know very well in Detroit, but it's, you know, one of the things that the US does so well. Um, and we, we used this idea of entrepreneurship and all of, you know, and also worked with entrepreneurs to create relationships and partnerships and and other types of uh ties between the u.s and and that area of the world and then later during the obama white house i kind of took a different turn and was working for the national economic uh, the national economic council and there um you know i was focused primarily on working with communities inside the united states cities like detroit to build foreign policy capacities. So, um, you know, how to create a global strategy for a city. And I was lucky to be part of an innovative initiative by President Obama that sent a team of advisors to Detroit um, after the the bankruptcy. And my my job was to try to build a, a global strategy or come up with ideas towards a global strategy for Detroit. So, I'm, you know, there are elements of that that, you, that I have incorporated into my work with Salonier, mostly mostly focused on the creative side, though. Well,
0: let's go back to that uh, entrepreneurship and uh, and Salonier. Uh, and that is, uh, tell us a bit about your recent cultural series at the Shinola Hotel and uh, the Art and Activism campaign and Art to Table series. Uh, just kind of just a little bit of it before we run out of time.
1: Well, sure. This was a very special project. We were fortunate enough to partner with, um, well, we've been working with Chef Andrew Carmelini and NoHo Hospitality, and then more recently the Shinola Hotel. And we hosted, Samorello hosted an art salon at during Detroit Homecoming, where a number of notable Detroit artists presented their work. But a very important feature of the salon was we worked with the, the Department of Fine Arts of Detroit public schools to select students from geographically uh, disparate high schools in Detroit to create and present an original artwork at the salon that spoke to their feelings about art and activism during during 2020. And so each student received a $500 art supply scholarship. They sold their artworks for the first time and we created a series of digital downloads um, of their work and the sale of that work uh, benefited Detroit Public Schools Fine Arts programs during COVID-19. So it was a wonderful initiative of San Morello and the Shinola Hotel. And then we also worked with Chef Carmelini and one of the featured artists, Desiree Kelly, to create a month-long special menu at San Marello that was inspired by a specific work of art by Desiree. Um, so that hence the Art to Table moniker.
0: Beautiful. Uh, and I know, as we uh, close out, that you also have this project with the Obamas' production company, Higher Ground, Netflix, and others. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, sure. Um, that was such a wonderful opportunity that w- came at the end of 2019, um, where we essentially worked with participant Netflix and Higher Ground to um, to screen. Um, the documentary American Factory, which then went on to win an Academy Award that year. Um, And really at the heart of that documentary is a a conversation that matters very deeply to Detroit, which is um, the future of work. So we brought to the table diverse voices from labor, business, the arts, religious leaders and students for a candid conversation about what the future of work looks like in Detroit. And we were especially proud to work with Detroit Public Schools to identify two students from the Detroit School of Art, Dion Reynolds and Breon Davis, who created an original art short art film about the future of work from the perspective of young people that spoke both to what they're excited about and their fears are about the future of work.
0: Well, you can find out more about what Julie Egan is a part of as the founder of Salonier. And you can go to www.salonnire.co alonniere dot uh, c-o and get more information. And Julie, thanks for sharing all of that with us on Opportunity Detroit.
1: Well, thanks for allowing me to join the conversation.
0: We will continue that in just a moment. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit, Melanie Markowitz has over a decade of project management and community engagement experience specializing in urban planning, real estate development, historic preservation, connectivity, and public policy. Uh, Melanie is the executive director of the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, ushering in the next phase of development in Greektown. Greektown, Detroit, of course, by launching a number of initiatives related to public space, vertical development, programming and events, arts, culture, heritage, mobility. She is the former department executive for the Wayne County Economic Development Corporation, where she provided strategic direction and oversight for countywide urban planning and development programs on both the local and regional scale. Prior to that, she served as the city planner for Hamtramck, past president of the nonprofit Preservation Detroit, consultant to the Michigan Historic Preservation Network, and project manager for the Savannah College of Art and Design in Hong Kong. How do you have time to come on this program? That's what I want to know, Melanie.
2: <laughs> uh, making the time, making it work.
0: Well, we never <laughs>
2: dull moment, teacher.
0: <I'm> sure. <laughs> no, I, I would guess not. With all the things you've done and are currently doing. Now tell me about the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership.
2: Uh, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership is a nonprofit organization. We're a community development organization for the Greektown Neighborhood, and uh, our organization has been uh, through, through several phases. We actually started as a merchant association in 1903. Uh, certainly a lot has changed since that time, uh, but uh, we're now a full-fledged community development organization, so we're focusing on Urban planning and development, uh, community events, um, and our organization is kind of really ushering in the next phase of development in Greektown. Working with business and property owners, our partners, Downtown Detroit Partnership, uh, City Detroit, Michigan Department of Transportation, uh, so many partners to uh, bring a, a neighborhood forward in the changing landscape of downtown.
0: Well, what I can see here is that partnerships are a very big and important part of what you're doing in the Greek town area, and. Uh, and I'm certain that uh, the town neighborhood is prepared for all that's going on. Because, it, it, let's face it, the landscape in Greektown is absolutely changing.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, Paul. Uh, our, our our neighborhood is proactively prepared for that change. Uh, in September of 2019, we publicly released a, uh, a framework plan for our neighborhood. Pretty much, a, it's a shared vision for the future of the town district. Uh, recognizing these changes in the landscape with not only business, of course, uh, but also development and changing infrastructure and taste. Uh Our community actually planned for that future by coming up with this framework plan. It was a, a plan for the future, community-led, community-funded, and we focused on a, a few key categories in that framework plan, uh, all the way from the quality of the public realm to neighborhood experience, of course, culture and history in Greektown, Uh, The development opportunities in the future in mobility and parking. And what we did by taking a look at all those different areas is we uh, came up with some design strategies and programs for connecting our neighborhoods to uh, the downtown core, the surrounding neighborhoods like Eastern Market and Lafayette Park and Brush Park, uh, increasing the built density and activation in the district, and then kind of connecting it through activated public spaces, public parks, uh, trail systems. Uh, bicycle infrastructure And creating a mixed-use neighborhood That has a diversity of uses
0: When when you put together A diverse group of people Which you have And you have a, a framework vision And obviously Part of that is to uh, A very important part of it Is to unite the neighborhood uh, Did you did everybody see eye to eye Or did you have to bridge some gaps Or how did that all go? You know,
2: Things that I love about community engagement in, in any environment is it it's always advantageous to have a variety of different personalities. When you bring together people who have, you know, differing opinions, different ideas, different businesses, you're always going to come out with the best ideas because these, these differing opinions make uh, what comes forward stronger, more supported when it's community-led. And you get to question each other. It's a dialogue and a conversation. So coming up with how we wanted to point our neighborhood forward certainly was not easy. It was a challenge. It took partnership. It took patience. um, And it's, you know, a continuing conversation about how we move forward together as a community. Um, and, And, you know, all kinds of personalities are the most important part of that.
0: Melanie Markowitz is executive director of Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, doing a lot of good work. I suspect there must have been some key categories you focused on.
2: Uh, absolutely, the key categories that we focused on. You know, you know, when we're looking at public space downtown, there's a variety of parks. So, you know, we absolutely looked at how we're using public space in Greektown and identified five new public spaces in the Greektown district to really kind of connect it to the downtown. You know, we together all the public spaces in the downtown core, along with the other parks, such as Kansas Marshes and Capitol Park. Uh, we looked at how the businesses are, are interacting with that streetscape. And in, in future parks. Uh, we looked at, you know, all the different types of development. You know, a lot of our northern parcels, for example, are, um, you know, in the form of surface parking lots or, or vacant land. So we've actively looked at, you know, how we need to rezone that. Uh, what kind of building uses um, and heights are going to go on there? And we've been working with a variety of partners to to work on development um, for that vacant land uh, for our future, create that you know density and activity that we so so need in Greektown.
0: Millie, what major development projects in Greektown are underway now?
2: Uh, Greektown is going to look like a, a different and different place in, in five to ten years. Uh, we have so much going on. Um, certainly the Detroit Center for Innovation. Um, that was announced about a, a year and a half ago um, on the, uh, the former jail site. This is a 14-acre site. This is going to be a, a major research education innovation center um, operated by the University of Michigan. Uh, it'll have like incubator and startups, uh, residential units, hotel, conference center, event space. Um, And this is going to be on on Gratiot and kind of where you have I-375. This is the northern part of Greektown. So weaving that together into the environment with a lot of other developments on the way, um, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, change in our environment. We also excitingly are breaking ground next month on a new 16-story residential tower called the Exchange Um, This is also going to be on Gratiot, more towards uh, Randolph and Gratiot. We're very excited for this new tower and the introduction of residents to our neighborhood for the first time in decades. Uh, Our organization, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, is also spearheading uh, design of a new public park. Um, It's going to be a plaza at Gratiot and Randolph. Uh, The city of Detroit brought this up to grade last year, and now we're working on the design phase uh, for that program I certainly can tell you a little bit more about that. That's the first public park that we're developing. Uh, and then we also have, you know, in the background, uh, and certainly not in the background for long, the I-375 Improvement Project. This is a, a project a long time coming. Uh, I-375 is going to be brought up to grade uh, to an accurate boulevard. Um, so it's going to connect some neighborhoods, um, and certainly the Greektown District uh, with Lafayette Park, Eastern Markets, in um, downtown, in some pretty dynamic ways. So you're going to have kind of a new I-375. Um, you know, is going to go away. Uh, we're going to have a boulevard, and uh, 75 will just go right on through downtown. Hmm. Uh, and then a portion along with that, we are also working on kicking off some uh, community engagement and development planning for a streetscape improvement program along the entire length of Monroe Street. Uh, certainly the heartbeat of uh, Greektown, Detroit.
0: So with this new public park and all that you've just discussed, uh, would you say, Melanie, you'd be open to input from people at GreektownDetroit.org? We
2: we invite and welcome input uh, at all times. Uh, certainly, you know, on our website, uh, shoot me an email. Always feel free to give me a call um, as I said, we're in the middle of uh, designing a new public park for downtown, and community engagement has been uh, a huge part of that. Uh, we received a uh, grant, uh, the Ralph Wilson Junior Legacy Funds for Design and Access uh, from the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but essentially, uh, we're designing a new public park, and we really want it to be for Detroiters and uh, about Detroiters, a gateway to Greektown, if you will. And what's different about developing this new public park is, you know, we certainly have community engagement and that's, that's, you know, fairly standard, but what we really want to focus on is cultural and heritage um, of the Greek town district in downtown in this new public space in some pretty creative ways. So, you know, we're talking uh, public art, uh, sculpture, you know, innovative programming and ways to kind of explore all the different types of heritage in this district. Uh, We held a, a, you know, a public community meeting about a week and a half ago uh, on Facebook Live. You can certainly watch it on there. But we're taking, you know, we want community input to define this public space for Detroiters.
0: Melanie Markowitz, Executive Director, Greektown Neighborhood Partnership. Certainly several new businesses starting in Greektown, several major renovations of existing businesses. Uh, and And there's COVID-19 that's impacting business everywhere. Can you tell me how uh, the Greektown small businesses, new and old, have fared?
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like everybody, uh, the impact of COVID-19 and the pandemic has been devastating on small business owners. And uh, Greektown, as part of the Central Business District, has the highest concentration of small business owners uh, in Detroit. And so, you know, they've been impacted just like everybody else. You know, they've had to you know, shut down, reopen, um, you know, all the things that we're having to do um, and adjusting business models, um, you know, to do that. But one of the things that has come out of this that is just I'm so proud of our community. You know, normally, you know, a shutdown means, you know, devastating for business. But the Greektown district made lemonade out of lemons. Uh, They're like, well, uh, if we have to be closed, we're going to do a complete remodel of our interior we're going to think our rethink our business model we're going to rethink our menu and we have some major renovations of existing businesses in the district and we also have three new businesses that are um, either opened or about to open so I, I want to tell you a little bit about that sure um so Golden Fleece Restaurant, which is the oldest operating restaurant in Greektown over 50 years, um, some great euros, to be sure, they took the opportunity to completely uh, rehabilitate their interior space. It's modern, uh, modern Greek. There's plants. They have vegan and vegetarian. It's, it's absolutely stunning in there. They're also soon to open a new um, Greek uh, grocer, Greek wine bar, cocktail bar, and they're also going to have some late-night Greek meza. It's a place called the Kalakon. It is right next door to Golden Fleece, and they're going to be opening uh, opening this month. And uh, the space is absolutely brilliant. I can't I can't wait to sit there and have a nice glass of Greek wine. Uh, also down the street, above Red Smoke Barbecue, we have a new cocktail lounge called The Pig's Tale. Uh, it's a second-floor cocktail lounge and also rooftop space. It's planning to open uh, in time for opening day on uh, April 1st. Uh, really breathtaking views. They're specializing in all types of bourbon and whiskey. Uh, they just built out the space. They took the time during the pandemic to, to do this, um, you know, because everybody was closed. Um, it was the one time where you could take your space since you were shut down and remodel. Um, likewise, Athenium Suite Hotels did exactly that, too. Their whole lobby is completely brand new bringing in modern Greek flourishes, and they've also opened a new bar and restaurant concept called the Lobby, aptly named, located in the lobby of the Athenium Suite Hotel. Um, It's absolutely splendid. It has an American and a Greek-inspired fare, but the interior what what's really kind of neat about you know the greek town district not only did they, did they take this opportunity to to rethink the future of how we're moving forward in business open up new restaurants and bars and renovate but they thought about bringing in just modern greek keeping with that culture and identity of our district but changing for the future
0: i tell you what it's almost overwhelming it's certainly exciting you can get more information at GreektownDetroit.org, or all the other social media platforms, GreektownDetroit.org. And we've been hearing about it from the Greektown Neighborhood Partnership Director, the Executive Director, Melanie A. Markowitz. Thanks, Melanie. It sounds exciting. Thank you. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit. Finally, an opportunity Detroit, a very busy man, owner and operator of the Astoria Pastry Shop, Red Smoke Barbecue, and the new Pigstail Cocktail Lounge and Rooftop in Detroit's Greek Town. He also serves as board vice president of Greektown Neighborhood Partnership, Greektown's nonprofit community development organization. And it's been a while since we've talked to Tasso Tefsis. The owner of all of those places I just mentioned. Tasso, it was a while ago that we talked. Nice to have you back on Opportunity Detroit. Oh, I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> well, you're a man, you're a soft-spoken man of very few words, but we're going to get some <laughs> we're going to get some words out of you here. <laughs> you immigrated to Detroit in 1966 at the age of 6
3: from That's Greece. Correct.
0: And uh, your father opened up a barbershop shop in Greektown in 1969. Your father and mother opened up the Astoria Pastry Shop in 1971, uh, Detroit staple for pastry and desserts and Greek sweets. Uh, then uh, Greektown's Red Smoke Barbecue in 2010. Really a multi-generational family business, uh, and you're passing on that legacy to your son George. That's correct.
3: Um, my son, George, runs Red Smoke Barbecue now. Um, he worked in a restaurant while, the same restaurant while he was going to School of Colorado. And uh, after he graduated, he came, and this is his fourth year running the restaurant business. Restaurant business isn't for everyone, um, but George is um, high-energy a uh, very hospitable young man and uh, he really loves what he does and he just fits right in here and he loves being in Greek town. so he would be, he's, in, he's a third generation owner now
0: Well, it, listen, it's a tough business it is a very tough business but it gets in your blood and you love it if you love it and uh, yeah. talk about baptism by fire, he had to deal with what all restaurants had to deal with uh, in this COVID-19 environment Yeah he did, and, but he's done well. Uh, we've
3: closed just a short time. Uh, while, we were, while we were open, uh, when we couldn't have uh, people sit in the restaurant, uh, we did very well with carryout, and we still do. Um, now we're open for dining in for 50, 50%, and uh, it's starting to pick up. It's, um, the whole street, in fact, is starting to pick up.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the newest endeavor, along with uh, the longtime uh, a of a Pastry Shop, Red Smoke Barbecue, and now this, this uh, Pig's Tail Cocktail Lounge and Rooftop that you hope to have open by April 1st for the Tigers uh, game. Uh, just tell us a little bit about it. Um, it was um, on the second level of Red Smoke
3: Barbecue. We had a space. Uh, it's a space for 40 people. Uh, we started building it um, before COVID happened, actually. And it's a real intimate, beautiful space. It's a bourbon bar. Um, it has smoke and burnt wood around the, um, the walls. Um, it's real intimate. Um, it's a place that you would come to uh, with your date uh, before or after dinner or before and after a game. And then for the second floor, I mean, for the rooftop, we're just finishing that up. And it has beautiful views of uh, St. Mary's Church, of the hotel, of Monroe Street. Um, and we're really excited about that. And it's not going to be a club. It's going to be a bar uh, where you can socialize with your friends uh, before and after a game or before and after dinner.
0: Uh, your business as we've already discussed tasso is a is a family affair uh we see and f- and hear the importance of multi-generational ownership and such legacy in Town. how is Greektown moving forward and modernizing especially in light of the impact of the pandemic
3: um actually well uh, and i can tell you that although my on is third generation, there are a lot, a lot of other uh, young people on the street, maybe 30 and 40 years old, who are second generation, who I knew their fathers, and some of their fathers and mothers still work here, who work just as hard as their parents did. And they really have a, a huge interest, investment, and want to keep the heritage of town alive. So what I see them doing is, like, there's four new places now that completely revamped and, um, and remodeled, for instance, the Golden Fleece, which is second-generation young people, uh, the Athenium Hotel, which is a beautiful lobby, um, Pappy's uh, Barn Grill, which is going to be the Three-Legged Goat, and all of the other neighbors who have had, now we, you know, we're always open seven days a week, and we never really had the time to just close down and, and do some of the things that we wanted to do. So this gave us the opportunity to do it. So everyone did something, and some people completely remodeled their spaces. And I'm really proud of, especially the second generation people, because I, I see they really want to um, um, continue the, the legacy and the heritage of Greektown.
0: Well, it just so happens, and this is good timing for our conversation, Tasso, Tasso Teftsis, the owner of Astoria Pastry Shop, Red Smoke Barbecue, and the soon-to-be opening Pig's Tail Lounge at Upstairs. Uh, the 200th anniversary of Greek independence is coming up, March 25th. Tell us a little bit about the importance of this event for Greek culture and, and how Greek town has celebrated in the past and will celebrate this time?
3: Typically, uh, our uh, we have a parade for Independence Day. Uh, this year, because of COVID, uh, we won't have the same type of parade or anything like that. Right. But what I would like to do is invite not only Greek Americans, but everyone to come and enjoy the offerings that we have uh, and celebrate in, in every way we can for the 200th anniversary of um, of independence.
0: So, what will that entail?
3: Uh, come to a Greek restaurant. Come to the Astoria Pastry Shop. Um, enjoy Greek Town. Greek Town, uh, for some reason, people think is not Greek anymore. But I can tell you, my my my, my son says. Is we buy Windex by the pallet, and if you understand, you have to have watched the um, that movie about um, um, the, uh, big, the big fat Greek wedding, where the guy always used Windex, and <laughs> and he always says, you know, we're really Greek. We buy Windex by the pallet, and it's true. I mean, we're really this is a really Greek neighborhood, and uh, we're all really good friends, and Uh, We really try to keep the heritage and tradition alive, and we also understand our role to do that, and we, we look at ourselves more like just keepers of the area rather than owners of the area, because this area is not only important to the owners and the business people here, but it's also important to the Greek community and, I would say, the entire community in Metro Detroit, because... It's something that people have come for years and years and have great memories, fond memories of coming here on dates and then after getting married and bringing their kids here. I've seen that three three generations uh, at the Astoria. People come in and they say, oh, my my dad or my grandfather used to bring me here. It's really a wonderful place to be.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm sorry to hear that some people are saying they don't think Greek Town is Greek anymore. I hadn't really thought that at all. It's good that you yeah, bring that up. Yeah, once in a while
3: you'll hear that, and I can assure you,
0: it's it's very Greek. It's
3: very Greek. Sometimes it's too much Greek. We we <laughs> are you during we are you during the day together, but we drink at night together. So um, it's it's as, as Greek as you can possibly. It's get. like being it's like being in Greece. Did it, for me, it is. I mean, I, I'm i 61 years old, and I love to come to work because I go and visit all my friends down the street. And I'll go from the back door and visit the chefs, or I'll see the bus, or I'll go to the hotel, the Athenaeum Hotel, and see the, my friends there. And for me, it's just, I've
0: had a great life here, really,
3: um, because I've been in this community, and I, I really love it. It is like being in Greece.
0: Well, as you point out, the Greek identity is everything to Greektown, but it's a heck of a lot to Metro Detroit.
3: It is. People have a lot of great memories here, and I encourage people to come here. We have, you know, there's other areas that say they have diversity and they have this and they have that. There's no place that I know that has as much diversity as Greektown, whether it's the staff or our guests. Uh, One of the things we love the most, I was talking to my son the other day, I said, what do you love the most about your job? He said, I love the uh, Albanian and the Jamaican cook and the Mexican cook and the people outside that are, you know, all all of these different nationalities that come here. And a lot of people that bring in guests from out of town when they're coming from out of town and visiting, they come here. And it's really a very, very diverse community sure. compared to a lot of other communities. Right. And that's nope. one of the reasons we really love it.
0: No question. GreekTownDetroit.org. Uh, thank you, Tasso Tefsis, the owner of Astoria Pastry Shop, Red Smoke Barbecue, and opening a Pig's Tail Lounge and upstairs. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it too, Paul. Thank you. Con- continued good uh, luck to you. That's it for Opportunity Detroit. Now, I hope you'll wake up with me mornings, Monday through Friday from 530 till 9. Regards, Paul W. Smith.